Hello, Miko. How are Hello. you? Good. How are you? Good. So good to have you here. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Where Where are you right now, Miko? I know you've been traveling. Yes, a little bit. It's been a busy September. I'm actually in London, so I'm home, which, okay. which is great. <laughs> it's actually freeze week this week, so it's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of events and things happening across the week, so it's good to be here. Nice. I've never been to freeze. How does it work? Is it like a main event and then side events, or how does it work? Yeah, it's an art fair, very similar to your kind of like your art Basel uh, type. They do them in different cities, exactly like Art Basel. And actually, it started in London, I believe. London is the kind of like the core city for it. It's a four-day, five-day. It starts on Wednesday and then goes until Sunday. And then, as always, the first couple of days are kind of like preview. And then uh, it opens up to audiences, public. And yeah, it's in Regent's Park. So it's like... A beautiful location in the middle of the park there's a lot going on in terms of other events that are happening across so all of the galleries in london kind of do an opening or a show or something for it and then obviously now that digital art scene is also quite prominent there's quite a lot going on yeah throughout the week i, I have events every night basically from tomorrow onwards so nice. it'll be busy yeah so that's that's great i was gonna ask you how much digital art stuff is showcased and what have you seen from collectors and people that are their galleries? Are they excited about it and more open compared to the past? What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a good question. I think to be completely honest and frank, within these bigger art fairs, there is still very little that is digital. And even, I would say, kind of like comparing digital with kind of minted these on the blockchain, let's say, even less. Yeah. I think we had a good start during 2021 and maybe a bit of last year as well, where obviously Tezos was partnering with Art Basel. So we had quite a lot of like digital art on the blockchain that was being shown and minted and proposed. But I think as the kind of, I think as the money left, as the bull market mm -hmm. left, there's been a bit less interest in these bigger art fairs in either showcasing or actually like inviting these ecosystems into their fairs. But realistically, that doesn't mean that galleries are not interested because independently galleries in London and actually I think across the world are more and more looking into digital art and specifically art minted on the blockchain and mm -hmm. how they can kind of like, in a way that feels, I think, more native and natural to them, how they can explore this ecosystem. I think... Mm -hmm. Probably one of the biggest barriers, I, I don't even think it's galleries not wanting to adopt it or kind of like understand it or welcome it. It's just not knowing how and not having even maybe working with the, the right artists that they're representing that are able to kind of produce or create work that is digitally native or can be digitally composed or can be on the blockchain. Right. And that's fair. Yeah, it's when you think about it, it's kind of complex to integrate blockchain into a gallery. And where should they start? With, probably with some artists. But then they, most of them have their own group of collectors. And they aren't really like into blockchain, most of them probably. So it's like attacking or, or trying to gather a new audience for those traditional galleries, especially in London. 
in, in your case, your participation during this week, uh, Miguel. So is it like they invited you and usually is related to the digital space and kind of to go into conversations about blockchain art? Or is it more like discussions about traditional art? So my participation as Vertical, we're not doing anything specific this week. We actually have one event in partnership with Lens and Finilier on Saturday, which is very kind of digitally like focused, which we're very excited about. We're actually doing powering all of their live minting for Lens and Finilier. In terms of freeze, or even in the past, if I kind of think about the art puzzles that I participated in, in the past, it was very much around topics and discussions, so talks. I haven't had, unless kind of like in smaller percentages, the opportunity to be able to curate anything for these bigger art fairs or anything like that. But I think realistically, it's always good to be aware of what is going on within the wider kind of like art ecosystem. People are also very interested in asking questions. I have a lot of people that I know here in London that are either gallerists or curators or collectors even from my past, let's say, life. And they also want to understand more. And so it's a good balance between also understanding where the contemporary arts ecosystem is right now and how it's possible to, I don't want to say fit in because I don't think it's the right word. I don't think we need to, digital art doesn't need to fit in in any way, but, you know, understand also like and people meet them where they are essentially. And I think like a, a big focus for us in anything that we do, all of the events, the exhibitions is to be very much of a bridge and like speak to the contemporary art like ecosystem in a way that doesn't feel scary, doesn't actually really relate to even crypto or NFTs that much. If you go back even to the very beginning, we have rarely really mentioned the word NFT in a lot of the events and exhibitions that we do, and right now, even less so. So it's a lot of what we do, and our focus is always trying to create an ecosystem where people feel welcome, when people feel included, even though maybe they don't know what exactly it is that we are showing in terms of art or artists, uh, but at the same time that they have a space where they can learn. As we're very big on hosting talks and the education part is such a core way for us to curate as well and to integrate new people into what we're doing. And I think from the past, especially here in London, from kind of proof of people, but onwards to a lot of the events that we've hosted, we always see that there's a really good balance between people that are from kind of a digital art and NFT and crypto community of London, which is huge. But at the same time, just new people, new interested artists, collectors or curators, or just curious who want to learn more. And that's super important for us. And it's, I think, how we kind of make this space a little less scary and a little less of a closed bubble as well. Right. Yeah, I, you mentioned a couple of things. First of all, I've been to Proof of People, both in London and New York City. And yeah, I feel that I can take my friends that have no yeah. idea about <laughs> NFTs or digital art because it's a festival and I think that's the purpose of it. And also it has talks, but it's showcasing art and music. I think that's also a big part of it. So yeah, basically I can, I can take any of my friends and they will have a good time. And as you said, the word NFT is not really there. Then if you want to learn more, how do I collect this art? Then of course, then okay, yeah, it's in the blockchain. And that's when the conversation starts, but it's not yeah. like the main attraction. But before 
talking about that because I, I have some questions about a group of people. But you mentioned your past life <laughs> before founding Vertical. Can you tell us a bit, Nicole, what's your background? How this idea of Vertical started? What were you doing before, before creating Vertical? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first, I want to touch on what you mentioned around proof of people being kind of like open. And that's really like the goal. Since we started it last year in London, it was a way for us to be able to also allow people that have really no idea about this ecosystem at all to be in a space where they wanted to be and where they would feel welcome and have fun. Even not knowing anything about live minting and digital art. So we blended into this idea of essentially building a, a festival that on the back end has the blockchain as its main kind of like technology, but also like its main driver. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's fun and people can interact with the work and the art in a way that is interactive, immersive, interesting, without really like knowing much about anything at all. And then obviously there is an opportunity to do so if you want to. So the fact that you say that you can bring your friends, it's cool because that's a goal. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did as well. We brought our friends who are completely on other kind of industries and, and have nothing to do with the crypto entities at all. So yeah, but what I was doing before Verticals, I was actually working for Meta. So at the time it was called Facebook. I worked there for five years. I was kind of like in a couple of roles, but the last two, three years that I spent there, I was actually working with creator partnerships. So I was essentially helping creators. So a lot of artists and kind of like influencers and people who had like big followings on, on Facebook and on Instagram, mainly on Instagram to utilize the platforms in the best way possible. With that, it's kind of what started me thinking about what is the ethos of a company like that and a corporate like that and how realistically creators had no independence at all into what they were doing and mm. they were very reliant on any changes and any type of centralized ecosystem where they had to adhere with certain rules which changed every month or week because you're constantly kind of almost slave of, of the algorithm which we all are now in a way on twitter and i kind of realized that yeah i was looking for a little bit more and i was interested in expanding what i knew about creators and art and that side of things into more of the, the independence side mm -hmm. i was actually for a friend of mine that i discovered crypto art so mm -hmm. it was really through art that I came into blockchain and all of this ecosystem. I had no previous background into finance at all. I really discovered Ethereum and Bitcoin by kind of learning about super rare and learning about known origin and rareable and a lot of these very early players and what was happening within this ecosystem and how a lot of artists were kind of being independent and creative and saying I'm an artist and I don't care what anybody else says this kind of creation of this subculture of crypto art which I thought was was super cool and super interesting oh, that's very interesting when you mentioned meta and Facebook I guess at the time when you were working there it was still called Facebook so it wasn't like yeah. this new big announcement about meta what do you think about that, Nicole? You know, Facebook, you were there for many years. And with this new change, have you seen the new experience, the VR experience that Zuckerberg and showing a podcast? Have you seen that? It's like super real, the avatar, real avatar 
have you thought how can what we're doing can eventually become part of this VR virtual reality world? Do you see that happening anytime soon or still a little bit far away? So I've actually, to be honest, not been very interested nor have wanted to even explore and look into what Meta is doing. I was a bit uh, kind of close-ish to the team that was supposedly going to launch uh, NFTs on Instagram. So I knew some of the people that were working there and what they were doing. That team closed, no longer exists. In a way, I haven't really, how can I say this? I don't really see how a company like that, unless it completely changes their thoughts on what they are, how they even monetize and how they make money, because 99% of every single thing that Meta does is ads. So ultimately, it would be so much of a shift and so much of a change that I don't even know if it's possible to ever align with what are the areas of blockchain that are important. And so I've not really, in a way, even interested myself that much, unless it's somehow brought to me. Mm-hmm. In terms of virtual reality, I see myself very much as a person who needs and wants and wants to create experiences. And I think you can see that with everything that we do yeah, yeah. IRL. When we started vertically, it was actually in COVID times. So obviously none of that was possible. And so we started creating, we started doing exhibitions online in the, let's say, metaverse and creating online galleries and experiences that would somehow bring people together almost in a format of an exhibition with an opening and talks and a curatorial tour and like a music and a party. We wanted to create, allow people to have that experience, even though we we were all at home. And I loved doing that. And I still enjoy doing that. And we actually do that quite a lot for a lot of the residency exhibitions that, that we host. But I think there's just a difference in everything, in the experience, in the way that you connect with people, in what conversations span out of being IRL. And although I think there's some incredible applications for VR that we'll probably see very soon-ish, for me specifically, for us specifically, and what we do, I don't see us going that route or utilizing, if not what we've been doing so far and how we've, we work with the online and IRL in that way, I would say. Yeah, that makes sense. I agree with what you mentioned about the ethos of a company like Meta. It's very different from the philosophy of blockchain and decentralization and ownership. Completely different, like the opposite completely. Yeah. But yeah, coming back to vertical, which by the way, is it Vertical crypto or you are rebranding to vertical? Is it there? Yeah, we, we quietly rebranded like a it. month like or so ago. We decided to lose the crypto art mm. and have vertical. So yeah, that's us now. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Especially because everything related to crypto, NFTs, I think has a different connotation, either about investments, uh, these complicated term and makes sense to be named vertical. And what is vertical, uh, Nicole? How do you define it? I, of course, know what it is, but maybe some people in the audience, just to give some context, how do you usually define it? What do you tell your friends? Uh, well, it depends who I'm speaking to. I have different definitions for different people, but I think in general, how we like to call it and how we see ourselves and kind of what is what we do is we say that we're like a house for art and culture on the blockchain. And really, that is a definition that has come in time. Because something that I personally struggled with and just in general, almost defining what we do, because we span across a lot of different cultural ecosystems. We have 
Vertical, which is a platform and which acts as, as a gallery, which acts as a curatorial studio. Uh, but at the same time, we don't only work with art, we actually work a lot with music. So we span into the music ecosystem quite a lot. And at the same time, we also work in fashion and the applications of digital fashion on the blockchain. The way that I see it, it's really like a cultural ecosystem that basically wants to bridge what is happening right now within digital culture in the areas of art, music and fashion into contemporary culture. Mm -hmm. And we do that in a variety of different ways. Obviously, the exhibitions and the events are a huge part of our DNA. But a, a big part of our DNA is also education with the residency program, which is something that we launched and kind of stemmed out of the first year of Vertical as a company, the Vertical Residency, which is a online free residency that we have been running for over two years and that welcomes in residents and artists and creators from all over the world who essentially have access to a curriculum and workshop of classes that run from around six to 12 weeks on an mm -hmm. ongoing basis. And on one hand, we have this kind of culture club and house for art and culture is vertical. We have the residency, which is education. And then from that, obviously, proof of people is very much like, in a way, aligned with these two areas, because we bring in one space and one place, which is a festival, everything that we do with art, music and fashion and with education. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's that, kind that's, of us. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You started uh, vertical as an art house, but now it's basically not sure how to call them, but three sub-companies, maybe is a good way to say, and in a very short amount of time, because you started during COVID. What advice would you give to the creators to be in this space or in another space uh, regarding this? Nicole, how have you done this? Created three <laughs> things that are working very, very properly and very complicated because you are tackling different challenges, working with a lot of artists, a lot of logistics involved. What's your advice for those creators, founders out there in this space or in another space? I was recently hosting a workshop, doing a workshop for UAL, University of the Arts, London, who we kind of partner and work with quite a bit, especially on the educational side of things. And the workshop, what is exactly about this? The students who were there were actually, at, they either finished their courses, so their degrees or masters, or they were about to. And so they had already ideas of what they wanted to do. And I was kind of giving my perspective or my journey of how Vertical started and where it's at now and all of the different challenges and wins that we've faced across these three years or more actually now. For me, the biggest way that we went about creating and building was very organically. And I know it's going to sound like super cheesy, but it really was. We never started thinking this was going to be a company. It actually started as a Twitter profile, mm -hmm. very much my own exploration of the space and what I was looking into, what I was interested in. And then as things progressed, it kind of became vertical crypto art. And then it became a curatorial studio. And then we started an auction house. And then we kind of evolved with that and became more of a, a platform. It is really an exploration and almost a timeline of the cultural space on the blockchain. And it's never been pushed towards something specific. It's really always been with the idea to keep advocating and being a voice for this culture, this digital culture, and how we can translate that into the real world. 
okay. and have fun in the process. Everything that I do is because we want to do it mm-hmm. and we really enjoy it. And the things that we didn't do well were the ones that we didn't enjoy doing. This sometimes you have, especially I think like as a company, as a founder, if you're like funded and so on, you get these revenue goals or ways that you should be thinking about your business. And for us, we've always almost avoided that because it's allowed us to have a lot of independence. Of course, it comes with a lot of challenges. You don't have maybe like the same lead way and the same kind of capital. But at the same time, we've kind of learned so much by doing things and being able to support everything mm-hmm. that we do with what we're doing. It's been extremely fulfilling, mm-hmm. very fulfilling. Sometimes people ask me like, oh, how are you doing in this bear market and so on and so forth. And it's the way that we see it. It's a market. There's no bull or bear. This yeah. is the market. That's right now, reality, this is right? it. This the is reality. my reality. Yeah. When I started Vertical, there were probably 50 people on Twitter. I didn't realize it was a bull or a bear. I didn't even know the words bull mm. or bear because I, I didn't know about crypto at all. So for me, it's like, this is my ecosystem. This is my reality. Whether people are buying a lot or people are buying less or people are talking about it in a certain way or not, we kind of keep doing what we're doing in Mm. the best way possible and having fun in the process, as I said before. I think it shows. I think when this kind of organic, um, real side of everything that we do just transcends into everything that we, hopefully transcends into everything that we do. Yeah, no, that makes a, a lot of sense, especially when we're talking about art, right, and creation. Why do we use those terms? Beer, bull, doesn't make much sense. And Nicole, when you say organic, what is that? Is it when you decided to create a proof of people, which was a very complex challenge, running an event in London, finding a location, getting artists on board that travel to the event and getting people to show up? It's a very complicated challenge what was organic about that you hear people telling hey we should do this irl i wish we could connect in real life i want to see the art live or was it more an idea that sounded as you said fun to do for the team how did that like exactly happen yeah so it's a combination my co-founder phil has a background in music industry has been working in the music industry for forever before this and in a way we've kind of been in between these two worlds art and 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 music and i think sometimes you think about oh the art industry and then the music industry and then the fashion industry Mm -hmm. and i think with blockchain and with nfts and kind of like this culture the good thing about it and what it really excites me about is that everything is kind of blended and Mm -hmm. you don't really have these very specific definitions even if i think about art. I was recently listening to Duke Shannon, who came into our residency to teach about generative embroidery. He's an artist, but he's doing fashion. He's doing embroidery, which can be applied into fashion. Same time, music artists work with visual artists all the time. That is part of their practice. We wanted to find a way that we could bring in people from our even friend group and ecosystem that had no idea about what we were doing and constantly were asking those questions, what it is that you're doing, we really don't get it, in a way that felt fun, curated, interactive, and playing with the technology that is blockchain. So really blending into and trying to play into this idea of site-specific installations and interactive 
works. And so obviously, if anybody came to Proof of People, it was quite visible with operator and our AR installations and suit. We had so much that people could playfully play with in a way that didn't have to do with NFT and crypto at all, but at the same time was powered by blockchain. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do that in a space, Fabric, which is a music nightclub. Night yeah. yeah. Underground kind of. Vibe. That didn't feel scary for somebody who has, for example, if I invite some people to certain events or art galleries or, oh no, but I don't want to go because it's an art gallery and I feel I'm not part of that ecosystem and so on. Well, Fabric, you know, it's a nightclub. And the fact that it's during the day, it's already like, oh, this is weird. What is happening here? It's open yeah. during the day for an art conference with talks and some sort of music. So we kind of wanted to shift people's perspective and flip things around and make it inclusive for the wider young culture as well. People who are doing art or playing music or probably want to be involved with this ecosystem and don't know how. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. Yeah, and no, that, that's very interesting. The idea of, as you said, fashion, art and music, that those three disciplines are kind of blend in the blockchain. That's very interesting because I have seen, for example, some artists creating AI art for their their art is actually fashion. There is they are playing with the, the futuristic fashion and yeah. different creations. So they sell it as art. So and the same thing with music. It's like integrated. And yeah, coming back to fabric actually, so it's a funny story. I was there at the group of people, London, and I have some cousins that live in London. And so I told them, yeah, I'm going for work to London. They say, oh nice, cool. And then after some time, they were asking, so where are you going? And it was like 3 p.m. Thursday, I think Friday. No, I'm going to Fabric. <laughs> the event is at Fabric. And they went, what? That, that's a nightclub. <laughs> what, what kind of job are you, what are you doing there? But yeah, it's funny. It's a, a very interesting concept. And also in New York City, you, you were at Brooklyn? Was it Brooklyn? Yeah, Zero Space. Yeah. It was a huge uh, warehouse. It was also very interesting. Yeah. So, Michael, what's the biggest challenge? Because I'm always very impressed by these events. Mm-hmm. I had Seth on the podcast uh, from Bright Moments, and he's doing something similar, running galleries, events around the world. What are the biggest challenges uh, to run these events, in your opinion? What's the biggest challenge of running Proof of Feed? Uh, so many. <laughs> if I think about the first one and even the second one in New York, I think about me personally, I always underestimate the production level that is needed uh, for for these events and uh, luckily i have a good team and people who actually joined our team specifically also for the proof of people events but i think it's a combination because we also do a lot we do art we do music so we have a music programming we have full talk panel programming and there's artists that you need to coordinate there's a production that needs to happen there's site-specific installation. There's all of the tech integration. So there's a lot of challenges. I think the biggest one is trying to make everything work mm-hmm. in a way that is feels good for you, for the artist, for the people who are participating. Because one thing that I'm always not worried, but I always think about is I want the artists to be happy of how we're showing their work. I want the installations to be the best that they can be for people to be able to interact with them in the right way, but at the same time, valuing and kind of thinking about the artistic direction of thought behind it. So 
it's always trying to find that balance. I'm sure Seth shared the same. It's really a matter of coordination and a lot of organization, a lot of patience and just pushing yeah. realistically and trying your best. Yeah. But yeah, it's not easy. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Yeah, I can imagine uh, you're going through from London to New York City and throwing these three days. Usually they are three days events. Yeah, usually. Two with... to three days, yeah. And Nicole, in terms of working with artists, I have a couple of questions there. The curation part. How does that work in a house vertical? Is it a team staying on top of what's happening in blockchain art? Is it listening to people, listening to other artists? How does that happen? How do you go ahead and talk to artists to participate, collaborate? How does that work? Yeah. So our curation process, or I would say how we try to stay on top of it is in a few different ways. I think for sure, there's a lot of research that happens behind the scenes, mainly me, I would say. And with research, I, I think about, of course, Twitter is a big ecosystem, but also looking at actually artists who are working with digital means in other Instagram, on other galleries that don't even do NFTs, other research of that sort. A big part of obviously the way that allows us to curate, I think in a more open and inclusive way is also our residency program. Every 12 weeks, we welcome 25 new residents and these residents are extremely talented. And so through them, I also discover a, a great amount of new talent that I possibly would not really be able to unless we had this ecosystem. And actually through these other artists, it's kind of like a ball that rolls because I then kind of find out about their ecosystem and their network and their artists that they, that they shape and that they value. Another big part is collaboration. We collaborate with a lot of like different galleries, curators, institutions. Recently, we just closed our exhibition and sale of FemGen, but we collaborate with Right Big Save. And so obviously, Alex Esterick, who is the editor-in-chief at Right Big Save, we work on these on these together and we kind of share ideas of artists and how to curate together. So, and we've worked with Annika Mayer in the past. We worked with a lot of different people from the ecosystem as well. And then I think one thing that for me is, and for us is super important always, and I think uh, we've kind of done it throughout all of the events and exhibitions that we do, is that we want to find a balance between working with artists that we have historically worked with and have relationships with and obviously value and maybe are established, but at the same time, bring in new talent and bring in new artists every time. So mm -hmm. for example, recently we had the FemGen sale and I was actually talking to a lot of different collectors about it. A lot of the artists, especially Emi Kuzano and Kaoru Tanaka, who are artists from Japan, a lot of collectors from our network and our ecosystem had no idea who they were mm -hmm. and discovered new talent through a lot of these exhibitions. And I think that for me is when it's a win. It's yeah. a really big win when we manage to curate shows that are thought provoking and discourse provoking, mentally provoking, but also that allow to expand a little bit our ways of who we see and who we collect from and who are the artists that we should be looking at. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of like a big problem in this ecosystem. Exactly. This for sure discovery is a huge problem for everybody, collectors, curators, everyone. But I also think it's also about there's very little risk taking. People like to play it safe. Mm -hmm. With artists that they curate, with artists that they collect, with things that get talked about. We think we're kind of like underground with subcultures and so it's actually 
very safe, especially on curatorial frameworks. And so we to not do that and not play into that and find a balance between obviously working with artists that we truly value and have long-standing relationships with. I can think about like Mario Klingerman and Helena Saren, who I've known since almost day one mm-hmm. of Vertical Crypto. But at the same time, constantly try and funnel in and discover and bring in new perspectives and new talent and new artistry and new ways of seeing this ecosystem. And in the process, educating other people to do the same. Yeah, yeah. Discovery is a problem for different reasons. As you said, people want to play it safe, but at the same time, the way how artists, their tools to showcase their art is Twitter, basically. And it's a numbers game. And if you are kind of new to the space, you don't have a big audience, how do you get visibility? So it's very important what you're doing there, showcasing uh, artists. I really like that idea. And Nicole, how is that process? You have worked with how many artists have you worked with? Like 300, (laughs) 500 artists probably, or more. Probably around, yeah, that, that. 300 mark, I would say, if not more, yeah. How do you do that? How is it to work with artists? As you mentioned, the music, fashion, art, industry. Is there something particular about them that you notice during your interactions? How do you actually reach out to them? How is that interaction? How is it to work with somebody creating digital art every day? Anything comes to mind? So the way that I reach out is I try all ways. Sometimes, and many of the times, is via Twitter. A lot of the times, actually, for some artists, it's also using Instagram. Especially artists who are maybe are not on Twitter or like don't use it that much, are not even in this ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Instagram is a huge channel for me. I try to be as kind of how when we started Vertical as, as a Twitter account, just try to be as sincere and honest as possible. Hey, right. I'm a huge fan of your work. I am doing this and this, or I'd like to know more. I'd like to have a conversation. I usually to kind of say why I'm reaching out because people are, they want to know when somebody reaches out to me, I want to know why they're reaching out. And then from there, it's a conversation. We have a call. We start to have a conversation and understand what's their process, what's their practice, what they're working on. And from there, it's either I already have a curatorial kind of theme or framework that I'm working on and see whether it can be applied to what we're doing. Or we keep the conversations for the future and for other exhibitions and other events and other places and ecosystems that are doing something. It's a mix. Then from there, I think everybody has their own ways. I'm a very, I would say I pride myself to be very organized. And so (laughs) I try to be as organized as possible for the artists that work with us Mm -hmm. and be super clear with deadlines and what we're doing and how we're doing it and how we're going to promote it and market it and what we're going to say and what we need from them. It's now become, obviously, having done this for over three years, you become more fluent. fluent. At the same time, working with artists, I'm not going to lie, it's as interesting as it is tough. And you're working with creative mindsets and creative people. There's a lot of changing of minds and changing of perspectives and shifting to maybe doing other work. I think I see a lot of the artists that we work with more as, uh, I don't want to say friends because maybe it's going to sound cliche, but I do see it as a conversation. Mm. And like a lot of the times, the more it's seen more as a partnership and constant conversation, the less it feels like a business transaction. I don't want what I'm doing for my side or for the other side to feel like a transaction. I am getting your work and you're getting this back. I think the role of a curator and also curatorial ecosystem is also to bring up 
conversations, bring up new ways of doing things, maybe talk about the actual work and understand, oh, maybe we could do it this way. Or maybe we could work on this areas that you haven't explored yet. And actually, some of the projects that we worked on this way with artists have ended up being some of the best projects that the artists have done with feedback that they've told me directly. Actually, thank you for telling me this or thank you for pushing me to explore this because it's allowed me to see things in a certain way. And actually, the project has now become XYZ because of it. So I think for me, it sometimes it feels a bit scary to actually mm. tell someone, hey, why don't we try this? Especially an artist who is their work. They know what they're doing. But it's not really you telling them how to do things. It's just having a conversation and exploring ways in which maybe it could be enhanced and expanded. Yeah, especially since you have so much experience. You're working with many artists in different setups, as you said, auctions to be, you know, releases, to be big collections. And how often when you interact with artists and they uh, ask for your feedback, how often is it related to art and how often is it related to pricing, supply, all this strategy that many artists hate and many people hate. So is it 50-50 or actually they ask for a lot of advice in terms of pricing the market? What, how should they do it? What's the... I, I wish it was 50-50, but it's not completely. Honestly, it's probably 80-20. 80 is a lot about pricing and kind of the market. And even if it's not about pricing, it's about strategy of how to do the release or how it would look like. And in a way, I think the role of a curator is also this within this ecosystem, because it is strictly tied to the market ecosystem. And part of doing what we do is to enable these conversations and to help artists in this process to understand certain things. Because sometimes we look at releases, we look at drops, we look at what other galleries are doing and other ecosystems doing very much on a daily basis. And Artists don't do that. They Half focus the on, yeah, they focus on their work and rightly so they should do. Mm -hmm. It's part of our role to be able to actually give perspective on yeah. what we think might be the best way forward. But I have to say sometimes actually for me, the art comes first. Even when I'm talking to artists, we talk about the project or the release or the work first. And then the second kind of part to it is we talk about the, so there's always in some shape or form, a conversation about the art that happens, right. whether it's very light touch, and I'm just saying, this is amazing, it looks great, or whether it's more going into details and talking a little bit more, and maybe like figuring out things and areas that we want to change or shift or like explore. There's always that part first. And then it's the, the market yeah, strategy, the, let's say. Yeah, the strategy and general advice, Nicole, from in terms of strategy, supply, managing their drops, their releases, blockchains, there is so much, all the marketplaces, how to showcase their art, how to handle conversations with collectors and other artists, collaborations. So anything that you think it's very important and many artists aren't looking at or aren't doing in the right way, anything like low-hanging fruits for artists when it comes to strategy in terms of their career? managing their drops? Yeah, I think sometimes one thing that I kind of touch on as well, especially also for the residency artists and artists who are kind of trying to establish their audience and their network and their collector base is to try to think about not only the final sale price and what you will get 
for that specific work or for that specific project, but also the opportunity that you have to be able to increase or kind of interact with a new pool of people, collectors, audience. And I think sometimes there's a big focus on this the sale, what it would sell for, and maybe a little less focus on who I can reach with this work and how I can reach them. And by through this work, I can be in the hands or be in the know of XYZ mm-hmm. people. Right. I think especially with blockchain, one of the biggest plus sides to it is the distribution. The way that you can distribute your work is so unique to this to this technology that I think it's super important to consider that as somebody who's kind of crafting their way into the space. Mm-hmm. And so one advice would definitely be that. And then another which it's sometimes a hit and miss, but there's a big focus on this selling out factor. And whilst it is obviously everybody wants to sell out, that's the goal. But at the same time, it's very unprecedented, even within art history or in galleries. That doesn't really happen. And sometimes there's this immediate not selling out equals my work is not good enough. Yeah. I've had numerous conversations about this and it's not true. The reality is that it's not true. So I think taking away this association that artists have of, I sold out, my work is great. I didn't sell out, my work is terrible, is super important. And of course, as a gallery, as a curator, you want to do your best to be able to get the best results for it. And sometimes it takes more time. Sometimes it's about a month or a week or three months yeah. and that's okay yeah so i think these two things i would probably yeah no those are great points and yeah i like to think about selling out would you compare it to concerts or events sports events big artists super popular artists they go on tours and many times they don't sell out their concerts and same for uh, franchises i don't know baseball Football, many games are in sold out. So if you think about that, and then you are an artist in the blockchain, this two, three years since it became really popular, it's very, as you said, unprecedented to be thinking about selling out all your drops. It's basically impossible. And I think in general, what's happening these days is good for that. People aren't expecting that as they were expecting it one or two years ago, collectors, artists. So there is more freedom, I think, to explore with the collection sizes, pricing, and there is less pressure. I I feel a little bit less pressure in general in the environment to sell out. But yeah, it's a big thing. And Nicole, we have been chatting for almost an hour now. We're getting to the, the end. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on what are you excited about this in, in, in terms of digital art, the space, what you are seeing with vertical, with artists, with collectors. Anything in particular that you feel excited about today? I'm actually, I was on what you just mentioned around this market right now. I am very excited about where we are right now. Mm-hmm. I think I've never seen, or actually it, in a way I've seen it at the very beginning when we started, and we're talking about early 2020, so a while ago, artists experimenting and focusing on 
trying and creating as much as I have now. This is super exciting and it brings a lot of innovation and it brings a lot of new perspectives to what this ecosystem can be, to what art on the blockchain and culture on the blockchain is. For example, of course, a, a very artist that I truly admire and work with a lot are Operator, but at the same time, I think artists made by Una, who is exploring performance art on the yeah. blockchain, there's so many really interesting areas that are being explored that kind of tie into art and culture and tech and how that can be enhanced. All three can be enhanced together. I'm looking forward to being able to integrate that into a lot of what we do, which to, to a certain extent we've already done and we continue to do so, but keep seeing these new ways of creating and experimenting. And I think we kind of are a result of the artists that we work with and the great work that they do. And so seeing this moment for artists to be able to really experiment means that it'll just get more interesting for me and for us. Mm. Yeah. That I'm very excited about. Yeah, I think mainly this, of course, there's a lot of things that we're doing that we're up to. We have a few things that are coming up, but I think overall, if I have to say overarching what I'm excited about, this is it. Yeah. And, and Nicole, when you say experimenting, so is it, new techniques for their art or a new vision like in artistic forms or is it more what you said in the tech side with the new mechanics and exploring smart contracts and interactions and is it a sum of all that or what do you see in the experimentations you are seeing these days is it more towards the art or the distribution engagement and blockchain usage i think it's both And actually, what I was referring to in terms of excited about is the first. Mm -hmm. So really this idea of taking each one's practice or the artist's practice into this medium and exploring ways in which it can be enhanced, okay. which it can be through technology as well. It can be through smart contracts. It can be through, but it's this conversation between like art and tech in a way. Mm -hmm. And I think on the other side, the second part that you were mentioning around smart contracts and dynamic NFTs and so on, there's so many incredible companies and ecosystems that are helping and nurturing and kind of providing all of these tools for artists. So I think about Manifold or Transient Labs and so many, and that's great. But I think ultimately it kind of all goes back to how to build that artistry with this technology. And I think the, the best examples and kind of ideas and art projects that I've seen are when there's art first and that is then kind of creates the conversation with technology right when the technology side is kind of an adaptation of the art yes yeah. and you can build technology on top of the art especially now with everything that we can do with smart contracts mm -hmm. so yeah i think art and then tech for me yeah no no that's very interesting so for me i will say i come more from the tech side i was a software developer data scientist So I was really into smart contracts. That's how I got into the ecosystem. But then art was a very new field for me, a blue ocean to explore. <laughs> And then when you combine that with generative art, it was like the perfect mix for me, at least. But I agree. I think the art needs to be first. Otherwise, it's just like building software and application. So it's very different. Nicole. Last question, and this could be a tough one, depending on how you see it. Oh, I, no. ask, I ask this to all the guests. Three artists that inspire you to be any level. Uh, ideally, digital artists working with the blockchain, 
emerging, starting out, or established free artists that you enjoy are inspired by? Operator, for sure. I think, and to give a bit of a context and backstory, I've worked together and I've met Anya and Dija just two years ago. I met them recently in Lisbon. We had a dinner together, very nice conversation. And they are living in Spain. Yeah, they're in Madrid now. Yeah. And yeah, we worked on a few different projects together. And I think they're, the way that they really see their practice and how they approach, we actually, we showed them in February of 2021, the first mm. IRL exhibition that we did in, in Los Angeles during Freeze LA, actually. And from there, we kind of started this ongoing conversation and friendship and our relationship obviously with privacy portraits and proof of people with the unknown sitter after that and and more things coming it's been one of these artists duo that constantly questions and pushes themselves to think differently and to have a meaning in everything that that they do like an actual real substantial meaning of their work i'm super happy that they got the recognition that I think everybody knew that they deserved with the art blocks drop that they recently did. But yeah, I think one definitely top artist that I look up to. And I already mentioned her, but Una, she was part of our residency. She's an alumni. I think she's doing some really interesting and thought-provoking work with performance art mm-hmm. and tying that into blockchain. And, and it's actually leading the way and giving a lot of examples to how to do that for other performance artists. And in the process, she's also bringing in and leveling up and bringing in a lot of other artists. So yeah, super interested in what she's doing and her work. We did something together during VCA Invites London last year in November. Again, blending in performance art with this idea of anonymity and kind of surveillance, which are key factors and key areas that she explores in her practice. And the last one, who is somebody that I'm very close to and I've known since the early days, is Linda Dunia. Okay. Again, one of our, actually part of our first ever residency that we did. Mm. Incredible artist, so diverse in all of her practice. I think I, I've never met somebody that has so many tools and can do so much with whether it's digital or physical or AI, she's, I would say, how, how can you say it, like, chameleontic in a way. Yeah, okay, yeah, nice. And yeah, so those three. Oh, fantastic. fantastic. It's a really hard question. Yeah. I, I always try to avoid this, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I have one chance to ask this and, and put the guest in a tough spot, but I think it's, it's very interesting to hear from people like you that are immersed in this space and hear your, the reasons why you like those artists. So, Nicole, I know it's been a great conversation. Thanks so much. It Thank was you. great to learn more about Vertical and everything you're doing. And hope to have you as a guest in the future and hope uh, to be a proof of people again soon. When is the next one, by the way? So we just announced last week that we're going to do it in 2024 springtime. We're going to be choosing exactly the dates and announcing it very soon, but definitely before the end of the year. Okay. But looking around spring, springtime next year. Awesome. In London yeah. at Fabric. London. All right. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks so much, Nicole. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.